Aloha and good morning, New Hope Community Church. Welcome to the first Sunday in May. Just like the great theologian Justin Timberlake in Sync Days, it's gotta be May, all right? And um, I even got a special gift from one of our church members, from Hawaiian brother, from another mother, uh, partner Akiona, who got me this Sig Zane shirt. It was May Day, a couple, uh, lay day a couple days ago. Uh, but today, uh, we're so glad that you're here for our online church. Uh, may I encourage you to keep uh, being engaged in uh, our church experience or in your church worship experience. Uh, here's a couple of pictures that we have of people at our church just being part of what God is doing in their homes. Here's a picture of Brooke uh, and her kids enjoying church online. Uh, they live right up the community. Here's a sister catching up, uh, Michelle Mueller, on church service and taking down uh, notes. Uh, here is uh, the Chun family, the Chun Ohana. They're um, having church together, and this is the first time that they're doing communion, uh, which we'll later have communion as a family. And here's another uh, young uh, couple at our church doing uh, church together, but also taking down uh, notes. Now, I just want to have a couple of announcements for you guys. First and foremost is that if you want to, if you don't have masks, could you come down to the ministry center? We have free N95 masks for, to give to you and to your families. Uh, just head on up to uh, Aina Haina Shopping Center, uh, right above Starbucks. Uh, in our ministry center, we're here Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Stop by and we'll give you a 10-pack for you and your family of masks. Secondly, is that May 10th, next Sunday, is Mother's Day. We have a special service designed just for you and all the hardworking moms, full-time moms, stay-at-home moms, homeschooling moms, and not just moms, but really all women. We're going to uh, recognize and honor you. And the following Sunday, May 17th, is our graduation Sunday. We're going to have a mini baccalaureate service for all of our high school seniors. We'll give them an opportunity just to appreciate and recognize all of you and the church family. So make sure to join us May 17th for graduation Sunday. If you know anybody that's a senior, um, please contact us at ohana at newhopecommunity.tv and we'll make sure that uh, we could broadcast it and be a part of our church service. And with that, let's prepare our hearts for tithes and offering. Um, you know, Deuteronomy 28 talks about how Israel, um, that we are to serve with joyfulness and gladness of heart. And really what I want to get to this morning is... Um, you know, one of our church members uh, gave a phone call and said, hey, we're going to have a small group um, on Friday. Is there anybody in our church that's in need? And uh, I was able to connect them to two of our single moms in our church. And, and you know, this, this brother was just, man, God has done so much for me. It's automatic that I got to serve. And it's automatic that I want to give generously to those who are in need because God has uh, provided so much for me and has given himself for me and so with that I just really want to encourage you to serve and to give out of joyfulness but also gladness 
of heart. Uh, let's prepare our hearts for tithes and offering. Lord, we thank you, God, for this morning. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Lord, I, I just pray right now that you would fill your people with joy, that we won't give out of compulsion that we have to, God, but we give out of joy that we get to, Lord, that somehow, some way, through the giving of our uh, time, our talent, and our treasure, Lord, we reflect and we mirror a God who first gave unto us. So, Lord, would you multiply these funds, Lord, that you would use these, Lord, to advance your kingdom, Lord, of, um, that we could love you, we could um, serve our community, O oh Lord Jesus, and that we could make disciples. So, Father, we love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, would you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be uh, going from verse 33 to verse 37, and can you believe we're in this Sermon on the Mount series, we've gone eight weeks and we're not even out of chapter 5, and we still have 6 and 7 to go. Um, but today we're going to be talking about integrity in our words. Let's go ahead and read in verse 33. Again, you have heard it said, To those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to be talking about integrity in our words or truthfulness in our words. Now, as I was doing sermon prepping and studying and doing some research, you know that old myth that they say that uh, on average, women use 20,000 words per day while men only use uh, 7,000 words per day? It's not true. It's a complete uh, fallacy. Uh, there was a Luan, there's a woman whose name is Luann Brizendine, and she wrote a book called The Female Brain, and she made these uh, claims, but there were no studies in existence that time that validated that claim and that showed women actually spoke more than men. However, um, out of the University of Arizona, their um, Department of Psychology, Dr. Matthias Mel, put research together and they found that there was really no significance in the amount of words between men and women that they say. Um, in average, women speak about 16,215 words per day and men speak about 15,669 words a day. So about 15 to 16,000 words an average person says per day. Now, what I want to get to this morning is that in our words, we want to be careful and we want to have weight 
in the things that we say. And here's the main point of this section here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Would you write this down in your notes? Here's a big takeaway. Truthfulness in our words builds integrity in our character. That's so good. Let me repeat that again. Truthfulness, veracity, the ability to tell the truth in our words, it builds integrity in our character of who we are. Because ultimately, words plus action equals your character. Now, the word integrity, our words plus action, it leads into our integrity. The word integrity is where we get the mathematical term integer, meaning whole. Like an, an integer is a whole number. It's not a fraction or it's not fragmented. It's a whole number. In other words, the, way, the words that we say out of our mouth, it should lead to actions that there's no incongruency, that there's no divide between our words and who we are. You know, one could argue that we are the sum of our words and our actions and our decisions, meaning we are who we are today because of the words that we have said and the actions that we have made and the decisions that we have carried out in our lifetime. Proverbs 22 verse 1, the, word, the Psalter says this, a good name, you could highlight that, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. If your words and your actions equals your character or your integrity or your reputation, Proverbs says that it is better than great riches and better than silver or gold. There was a book in 1991. It's called The Day America Told the Truth. And they pulled all these, they, they pulled Americans and they asked them basic questions. And one of the truths that was uh, told and exposed was, they asked a question, what are you willing to do for $10 million? What are you willing to do for $10 million? Two-thirds of Americans would agree to at least one of these things. Here it is. 25% of Americans would abandon their entire family for $10 million. It shows their character, their integrity. 25%, a quarter of Americans, would abandon their church. 23% would become prostitutes for a week or even longer for $10 million. 16% would surrender their or give up their American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouses. 10% would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% would kill a stranger, and 3% would put their children up for adoption. Wow. It tells a lot about our character. But character, it's a summation of a series of actions, 
and a series of words. And Jesus says we have to be very careful with our words. And here's the first point. Would you write this down? Let your words match your intention. Allow the words that come out of your mouth be in parallel or correlate with your intention. That there should be a marriage between words and intention. That there's no dichotomy, incongruency between what we say and what we mean or what our intention is. And that's why it's in integrity, integer. There's wholeness and oneness to who we are because of what we say and because of our actions. Look at verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Verse 34. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God. Remember that Jesus is asserting here his deity, that he's not just a prophet who says, thus says the Lord, but he says, you know, you've heard what the scriptures say. You've heard that it was said of old, but I, the Lord, Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord, I say this to you. And what Jesus does here is that he combines Old Testament commands into one positive and negative statement. When he says, you shall not swear falsely, that comes from Leviticus 19, verse 12. You shall not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of the Lord your God. I am the Lord. And when he says, hey, don't do this, don't lie, don't swear falsely, but perform to the Lord what you have sworn, that's found in Numbers 30, verse 2. If a man vows to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. That's also found in Deuteronomy 23, verse 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4, where they say, man, if you made a promise to God, if you made a vow or an oath before God, don't delay it, right? That um, if, if your mouth is going to write a check, make sure that your body can cash that check. In verse 34, Jesus says, don't take an oath. Here's the negative command. You've heard it say, You've heard it said, but I say, don't even take an oath at all, either by heaven for the throne of God. And what Jesus does is that he quotes Isaiah 66, verse 1, where the Lord says to sit on my right hand for heaven is God's throne and the earth is his footstool. Look at verse 35, or by earth for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem for it is the city of the great king. So don't swear by heaven, don't swear by earth, don't swear by Jerusalem. Let's look at verse 36. Here's the second time it's Jesus commands, do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. 
Anything more than this comes from evil. Jesus says, don't make any oaths at all. Don't make any vows. Don't make any promises. The word to make an oath is the Greek word omnuo. Um, it's to affirm the truth of a statement by calling on a divine being. It's to swear, to make an oath or to oath. It's found twice in the Gospel of Matthew. The first instance is when Jesus, or when Peter denies Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 26, verse 74, where it says, for the third time, Peter began to curse and he began to swear, I do not know, I swear to God, I don't know this man Jesus. See, what Peter does is that he uses his words he curses and he swears because he knew that his intent was to deny Christ. And the second time, it's used of Herod and how he beheaded John the Baptist because he swore an oath to his niece, Herodias' daughter. Now, Jesus says, don't swear at all twice. Don't take an oath. Don't make any vows at all. But in the Old Testament, we see Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20, that you shall serve God, hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear, you shall make an oath. Huh? Did Jesus just contradict the Old Testament? In the New Testament, Paul regularly swears by God's name. Romans 1.9 says, by God's, as God is my witness, I'm going to make an oath. 2 Corinthians 1.23 but I call to God as a witness against me. 1 Thessalonians 2, Philippians 1, 8. So in the Old Testament, we're told to make oaths or make vows. The New Testament, Paul does it. And not only that, but God himself makes vows all throughout the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 9, verse 9. That God makes an oath, oath that he swears that he's not going to bring a flood anymore to destroy the earth. And that's why there's a rainbow as a reminder of God's oath or his promise. In Luke chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 168 and 73, God promises that he was going to send a redeemer. In Acts chapter 2, verse 27 to 31, God promises that he was going to raise his son from the dead, and he makes an oath, and he makes a promise. Now, all of this swearing and all of these oaths are, des are designed to encourage truthfulness or to make truthfulness more solemn and more sure. Look at Hebrews 6, 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. If God himself, if the New Testament, Paul, if the Old Testament, if they all make a practice of making oaths, how come Jesus opposes it? Well, remember everything, Meaning can be found in context. What is the context? Remember verse 14, Matthew 5, Jesus says, unless you surpass the righteousness of who? The Pharisees? 
Now the Pharisees, they built up that time, an entire legalistic system around the Old Testament in the Jewish code of law called the Mishnah, there was one whole essay given to the question of oaths. It's like so pages and pages and pages of how to interpret this thing called making vows and included a detailed consideration of what they considered to be binding or what's not. For example, one rabbi says, if you swear by Jerusalem, just these two words, look at this preposition, by Jerusalem, you are not bound by your vow. But if you swear toward Jerusalem, then you are bound by your vow. The swearing of oaths or these vows, it degenerates into terrible rules which let you know when you can get away with lying and deception and when you cannot. Remember the Pharisees, they would go up to the line. It's like, how much can I go to the line of sinning without actually committing sin? And so these vows, these oaths, right? They no longer foster truthfulness, but they weaken the cause of truth and they promote deceit. Swearing evasively becomes justification and lying. And so Jesus, he is, he's not having any of this. And if people will play games with oaths, Jesus will simply just abolish it and say he is not interested in these oaths. What Jesus is doing is that he's interested in truthfulness, its constancy, its absoluteness. Psalm 51 verse 6, psalmist writes, Behold, you delight in truth, where? In the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Our words, it should carry weight. It should mean something. Our words should be truthful, that we don't manipulate our words to lie and to conceal hidden agenda. We don't use words to conceal, conceal hidden motives. We don't utilize and finagle words out of convenience so that we can later renege on them. We don't contrive or manipulate words to steal or to take advantage or to lie or to get ahead in life. We don't bear false witness and we don't lie. You know what's a telling sign that your words don't match your intention? Two famous words, I'll try. Hey, what, can you help us and serve on, with setup and tear down? Oh yeah, 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 pastor, I'll try, I'll try. And I'm guilty as anybody uh, this past week one of the church members like, hey, Pastor, I noticed that you have a home gym that somebody gave you. It's like, you want to work out? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll try, I'll try. And then gave me a text. So Saturday, can we go? I'm like, okay. So we ended up working out, and I'm super sore right now. <laughs> now, I love how Eugene Peterson, in the message, he paraphrases this. 
He says, don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You'll only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk saying, hey, I'll pray for you and never doing it. Or you're saying, God be with you and you don't mean it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, mean what you say and say what you mean. When you get a text and you say, hey, can you please pray for me? Don't just text back and say, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. You have three options. First one is pray text right there. Literally text out your prayer to that person. Heavenly Father, I lift up my sister to you, my brother to you right now. Would you give them grace and strength and pray text with them right now? Second um, suggestion is pray first and then text them. As soon as you get that message, Pray by yourself and pray for that person. And then a couple minutes later, shoot them a text. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. I just prayed for you. Don't just auto text and say, oh, yeah, be praying and just put the praying emoji hand. But actually mean what you say and say what you mean. Or here's call them. Instead of texting, call them. Well, when you get that text, call them and say, hey, is it okay if I pray for you right now? Did I call you at a bad time? Are you in the middle of a meeting? Are you driving? Is it okay if I pray for you right now? Let your words match your intention. Let your words match your intention. Now, uh, Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter 12. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Church, words matter because words form our actions and our actions form our character. You know, scientists now, uh, they figured out that it was a series of slits, not a big giant gash that ultimately sunk the Titanic. The opulent 900 foot cruise ship sank in 1912 on its first voyage from England to New York where 1,500 people died in the worst maritime disaster during that time. And just like the movie, the most widely held theory was that the ship hit an iceberg which opened a huge gash into the side of the liner. But an international team of divers and scientists Recently, they used sound waves to probe the wreckage. Buried in the mud under two and a half miles of water, 
they discovered that the damage was surprisingly small. Instead of this huge gash, they found six relatively small slits across six watertight holds. You see, small damage, invisible to most, can not only sink a great ship, but it can, but also a great reputation. Your words matter because your words form your actions and your actions form your character and your integrity. Your words become eventually who you are. And lastly, we'll close with this. Activate your intention with action. Activate. It's not just enough that you say something, but you activate what you, what you intend to do with action. That truthful intentions are good, but intentions won't get you anywhere. It's a good place to start, but we must move beyond intention to action. Look at what Jesus says in verse 37. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than that comes from evil. Jesus relates every oath to God to swear by anything, whether it's heaven or earth or Jerusalem or your head, it's all connected to God. For God, in some way, he stands behind everything. Therefore, you guys, no promise, no vow, no oath before God is trivial. No oath is justifiable evasion. All promises to God are solemn pledges to speak the truth. And Jesus that's why he says, man, just let the character of who you are, the root of who you are, you don't have to swear, oh, I swear my mom's grave, oh, I swear, uh, I promise, I promise. You just say yes or no because your character has been developed. Proverbs 10:19 says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. James chapter 5 verse 12 we see Jesus teaching here it influences throughout the church but above all my brothers do not swear either by heaven or by earth almost verbatim or any other oath but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation you know, one of the most revealing things that uh, my kids have told me is, um, but dad, you promised where my actions didn't match up to my words, where I promised to take them somewhere or to do this for them and situations change and I ended up not doing it. But we all fail, we all fall short and we need the grace of God that our words would match with our intent 
and our intent would lead to action. So let's go ahead and prepare our hearts for communion uh, this morning. Every first Sunday of the month, we dedicate time to partake of the Lord's Supper and we remember what Jesus has done for us. Jesus says that we're to do this as often as we eat and we do it in remembrance of him. Paul says, for I received from the Lord, which I now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, he gave thanks and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat of it in remembrance of me. And so we're going to eat of the bread, but let me go ahead and pray. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken. Lord, it's because your body was broken that we are made whole. So as we eat of the bread, O oh God, may you give sustenance. Would you give strength, Lord, to love you, to follow you, that we would be men and women of character, of integrity, whose words have meaning and weight. Lord, we thank you, God, that you bore it all on the cross, that you were broken so that we could be made whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and eat of the bread. In the same manner, after his supper, he took up the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat. For whenever you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so now, this is, since we are at home and with, our, with uh, our loved ones, Renee will be leading us into a communion psalm, but really redeem this time and have church in your home. Utilize this to maybe ask for forgiveness. Paul says to examine yourself before you eat and before you drink. So examine yourself of, um, and ask forgiveness maybe to your family members of unfulfilled promises, uh, promises that weren't kept, or maybe, uh, maybe using our words harshly. So whatever it is, use this time to pray for one another. Use this time for confession, for forgiveness, and even use this time to be thankful for your loved one. Shut 